0: Hey, good morning. morning. How you guys doing? Church good? Hey, if you got a Bible, open to Mark chapter Nine, Mark chapter 9. If you didn't catch it, my name is Corey. Alongside my beautiful wife, Amber, we have the privilege of being your guys' next-gen pastors. If you don't know what that is, that just means we oversee uh, young adults, youth, and kids. By oversee, really, Wyatt does all the young adults, but we just go, come on, buddy, you got it. And then we're really involved in youth and kids. One of my favorite things lately has been being involved in kids' ministry on Sundays. And I just wanted to pause and just let you guys know, you have like the coolest kids in the world. Like the bridge kids, bridge youth are so rad. If you have teenagers, they are awesome. This is a generation of like, Young people who are just excited about Jesus. They, 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 they love Jesus. They're like about things of faith. Your guys' kids, they say the darndest things. You gotta be. I was talking to one of our leaders. They're like, don't ever schedule me to, to preach in youth. Don't ever schedule me to preach in kids. I said, why? He said, kids are too brutally honest. They'll just come up to you and tell you, that message was terrible and your breath stinks. <laughs> I'm like, you have such awesome kids. And I just wanted to pause and say, thank you. Thank you for sharing your kids with us. Thank you for sharing your family with us. It means the world to us, absolute shameless plug. If you've ever wanted to get involved in Bridge Kids, my wife Amber will be at our first time checking right after this service, go chat with her. If you love kids, if you hate kids, drop your kids off with us and don't come talk to us. Um, Hey, this Wednesday, somebody say this Wednesday. Uh, Bridge Youth, we have a a back-to-school party. We'll be digging into the wonder of how we get to pray to God, and He actually listens. It's going to be awesome. Hey, Bridge Youth, uh, let everybody know how we welcome them. If you're brand new here, hey, we are here to build you up, not? Beat you up. We love you. We back you. Thanks for coming and hanging out. Hey, so this morning, uh, I do have a message for you out of Mark chapter 9. One of my favorite things about the Bridge Church is how eclectic we are. We have people who have been in church following Jesus for like 50, 60, 70 years. They've been in church like their whole life. You know who you are. You're the ones who know Father Abraham had many sons mm, mm, and many sons. And then there's some of us who didn't grow up in church and are kind of creeped out by songs like that. (laughs) And our first time in this, for some, like, for some, this is so cool. I've heard from a ton of people the bridge is actually the first church that they've ever stepped foot in, which is so cool. And I love that about our church, that it's so eclectic. But regardless of which camp you might be in, I think that we might have some misconceptions about our relationship with God and about our walk of faith. So this morning, I wanna try to tackle some of those misconceptions with a message that I'm entitling, There's Room. Look at your neighbor and say, there's room. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second. Tell them there's room. Now explain to them why you chose them second. So we'll be in Mark chapter 9. Mark in chapter 9, little background story, um, little background to Mark 9. There's this guy um, guy who has a son who's demon-possessed. Yes, demon possession is real, that's why Pastor Cory does not mess with those movies. I went to the movies last week and there was, a, there was a preview for one of those types of movies and I just started canceling the movie screen. I said, no, in Jesus' name, I don't mess with you at all. Um, but this guy's, uh, yeah, and it's kind of ridiculous that Hollywood is trying to make the demonic entertaining and I hate that so much. Um, that's a different message for a different time. Bridge youth, just suffice it to say. Don't mess with those movies. Don't watch those movies. So um, this guy, his son is demon possessed in Mark nine, and the demon possession not only is this like wild, crazy thing, but it's also manifesting itself in in like symptoms that kind of seem and sound like a bit of like epilepsy, like those type of symptoms. So it's a crazy situation, and the dude's at his wits' end. Right, like So he gets his son, and he brings him to Jesus. And that brings us to our verse, uh, Mark ch- uh, chapter nine, verse number 21. Who's got a paper Bible? If you got a paper Bible, wave it in the air like you just do care. Shout out paper Bible. I literally went and bought a new paper Bible for this message, because my other Bible was falling apart, so you know my life wasn't. But also, the text on this one's so small. Does that mean I'm getting old? (laughs) I'm like, okay, so verse 21. (laughs) So picking up in verse 21, Jesus asks this guy, how long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire and into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can? I could just almost, I I read the Bible. If you haven't noticed, I'm a fairly overdramatic person. Um, If you didn't catch that, Pastor Gary said, (laughs) yep. I'm a bit of an overdramatic person. And so when I read the Bible, it's dramatized. And I could just sense like Jesus, like almost his tone here where he goes, if I can. Listen to this. Jesus says, anything. Somebody say anything. anything. Anything is possible if a person believes. If you believe that, say Amen. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. He says, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that uh, the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit, that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you, like I commanded the movie screen during that preview. I command you to come out of this child, never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into a violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared, notice the word appeared, to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus, somebody say, but Jesus. Jesus. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with the disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. And some versions say prayer and fasting. Let's pray real quick. God, speak to us. Amen. Very long and spiritual prayer. Hey, where's all the married people at? If you're married, wait, you're... so for all the guys who just got elbowed because you weren't excited enough, hey, where's all the married people at? There we go. Just helping get your back, gentlemen. Um, what was, like, what was the biggest surprise when you got married? Like what was the biggest thing that changed when you got married? Like was there something that was just different than you thought it would be? For me, um, there's, there's one thing that was kind of like just way different than I thought it would be. And I think that there's a lot of guys, a lot of men, a lot of dudes in the room that might relate to this. Um, guys, I did it and I've, I've been married for 14 years. August 1st was our 14 year anniversary. I know what you're thinking. This guy looks like he's 14 years old. Yeah, you know, we got married at 20, that should be illegal. And some of the teenagers just did the math and realized how old I am. Um, I feel like some guys might relate to this. One of the things that was different than I expected was um, I didn't realize that I, as a husband, would be blamed for things that are not my fault. (laughs) And the response is always the same, from my amazing, awesome, beautiful, phenomenal wife, Pastor Amber. It's always Korea, Korea, I'm like, I don't know how, when I'm being blamed for something, I turn into the nation Korea, but it's Korea, no, it's not Korea, it's Korea. Like, it could be hot outside, I can't control the weather, Korea. We can, like, get cut off in traffic. I have no control over that. Korea. Any, does anybody else's wife do this when you're driving? They go, and you're like, dude, they, they break to 800 yards up the street. Korea. This one's the best. When, like, a bug will be on or around her, she's, Korea. I'm like, I have no control over this. So, um. We were on vacation one time, and it was literally like the best vacation we've ever been on in our 14 years of marriage. It was a total blessing, and we were actually kayaking up this river, and it was awesome. In the middle of the, like, well, really the beginning of the kayaking, I hear, splash. And I turn around, and she goes, I just dropped my phone in the river. She didn't try blaming that one on me, but that was just the beginning of the kayak. On the way back around, we're kayaking, and if, like... I know you look at me and you immediately think, manly outdoorsman. Like I know that's your first thought. I don't know why you're laughing and I'm personally offended at that. I'm a 21st century man. Like, I don't want to go hunting. I want to hunt for deals at the mall, okay? Like, so I don't know, like, I know nothing about kayaking. I know just paddle and, like, keep the boat afloat, you know? The only thing that I do know, and you can kind of get a vibe for right away, is you never want, like, your kayak to turn sideways against the current. So on the way back, the current kind of picks up at this one spot, and, like, I'm trying to keep this thing under control. Like, this was the moment where I was like, maybe we need marriage counseling because our paddling was completely out of sync. Like, we were not. At one point, I said, stop paddling, babe. I got this. It was about that time that the kayak turned sideways, and we flipped, you know? And and Amber grabs the kayak and literally just goes, no! And she goes, she goes down with the ship, and and the problem is, like, the water was literally, like, ankle deep. <laughs> so as the kayak went over, I just, like, stood up. And she's, like, in the water drowning. And then she, I, like, help her up. And I'm, like, you okay? She goes, Korea. Cool, <laughs> as if I could control the current of this river. Was there anything about marriage that turned out different than you thought? Like, life has a way of just bringing about things that are just kind of different than we thought. I submit to you that I think there might be some things about faith and our walk with God that are different than you thought and a little bit different than maybe you were taught. And that there's room for things that maybe you didn't realize there was room for. Case in point, number one, write this down if you're taking notes, there's room for doubt. Okay, now follow with me, faith people, don't check out, trust me, we are a faith church and I am a faith guy. I literally asked Pastor Gary for permission to preach this point. I really do believe, as a faith guy, I believe that our, uh, that like faith in every circumstance, in every situation, in every season of life, faith should be our first response and not our last resort. I do believe that, but I also believe that there's a bit of room for doubt, and I know that for some of you, this might be tough, because like me, some of you have found yourselves in faith circles that said things like, well, you didn't get your miracle, because you didn't have 100% faith, or maybe you had 90% faith, but because there was that 10% doubt, you didn't get your miracle, or maybe you, like me, didn't grow up in church, And so you kind of thought, maybe there's a God, maybe there's not a God, I'm not sure, I have some doubts, but I definitely can't go to God until I have all my questions answered and all of my doubts removed. But I submit to you, there's actually some room for doubt. The secret is that you bring to God both your faith and your doubt. And that's what this guy in Mark 9 did. This guy in Mark 9, he goes to Jesus with a need and he says, Jesus, I have belief. Help me overcome my unbelief. This guy says, I have got faith, but I've also got doubt. Now, the word for, in the Greek for these two words, the word for faith, for belief is the word um, apisto which it means like, like you are persuaded. It's like it's faith and it's trust. The word uh, for unbelief is literally the antonym in the Greek. It's apistia, which is unfaithfulness, distrust, or not persuaded. But interestingly, that word for unbelief, apistia, it is a, it is a doubt with an openness to faith. It's like i I'm not convinced, but it, it, it insinuates an in openness to be convinced. It is, I believe, help me with my unbelief. And that's what this guy does. He comes to Jesus. Hey, so I need this miracle, if you can. Jesus goes, if I can. Don't you know anything is possible to those who just believe? And he goes, Okay, well, I believe, help me with my unbelief. I've got faith, help me with my doubt. Would you help me with this? Help me overcome this so I can stand on and live on this. And what does Jesus do? How does Jesus respond? Maybe you've never read Mark 9. Maybe you're new to church and you're not familiar with this story. And maybe what you thought Jesus would do to somebody who comes to him and says, yeah, like, anything's okay, so like, I kind of believe that, and I kind of don't. Like, I do believe you could. But I've got this kind of whisper of doubt in the back. Some of us think that Jesus' response to something like that would be, are you serious? Well, you get out of here until you have nothing but faith. But that's not what Jesus does, is it? What does Jesus do in Mark 9? I believe, help me with my unbelief. I've got faith and I've got doubt. Would you help me with my doubt so I can stand on my faith? And then what does Jesus do? He gives the guy his miracle and he heals his son. So let me ask you this. What do you think happened to Mark chapter 9 guy, whose name we don't even know, what do you think happened to his faith and his doubt? Probably something like this. Boop. His faith probably increased and his doubt probably decreased, right? Well, if your son had been sick, demon-possessed, and he got healed in a moment, don't you think that would increase your faith and decrease your doubt? One of my favorite things here at the bridge is our seasoned veterans, is how I'll say it, are, are kind of, are old folks who have been following Jesus for a really, really, really long time. And there's some that I've, I've, I've gone to lunch with. Um, I've, I've, there's some that I've ridden motorcycles with. There's some that I have hung out with and just been encouraged by. And sometimes, I don't know if you, I, I had a friend who, she was very, 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 very old. And almost every conversation I ever had with this lady was, you know, honey, I'm just ready to die and go be with Jesus, and I'm, you know, thinking, well, you're not at all scared of death. He's right? like, no, sweetie, it's just a homecoming for me. Like, oh, that's kind of dark, but sweet. <laughs> that's kind of scary, but inspiring. It's like, why did you ever, you ever get around someone who's been following Jesus for 50 years, and you go, they've got so much faith. And I feel like, in comparison, I've got so much doubt. Don't be discouraged. All that it is is they've been running this marathon where year after year, need after need, struggle after struggle, season after season, they've gone to God, and God has increased their faith and decreased their doubt. God's brought healing, and their faith increased, and their doubt decreased. They need—they had a, a need God provided, their faith increased, and their doubt decreased. And before you know it, these folks who have been serving Jesus for a really, really, really long time, the voices of doubt are so quiet, and then the voices of faith are so loud, because it's just season after season after season of God never failing, God proving his faithfulness, God healing and providing, and God coming through. Has God been good like that to anybody else? But, so then what happens when life seems to add to your doubt and decrease your faith Well what do we do? Because, because I get it, it's hard to lose a loved one and still believe that God's a healer. It's hard to go through tragedy and still believe that God is our protector. It's hard to not know how you're going to pay the rent and still proclaim that God's a provider. So then do we abandon what it is that God says he is? No, what we don't do is we do not allow circumstances and situations to determine our theology, belief, or our faith on God. What we do is we stand on the promises of the word of God and we say, I believe, help me with my unbelief. And we never abandon this. We don't let situations and circumstances dictate our belief in God. I think that Jesus was probably. Um, I think Jesus probably appreciated this guy's honesty in Mark nine, where he just admits, "Yeah, I, I've got a, I've got some doubts." Because too often we kind of play church, don't we? You know, you come into church and someone says, "How you doing?" and you hit them with, "God is good," all the time, and all the time. All the people new to church are a little bit creeped out by that as well. They're like, was I supposed to respond to this? The words weren't on the screen this time. Can I tell you, like, you can fake it with Christians, but you can't fake it with God. And God can't bless who you pretend to be. Here's what I believe. I believe that genuine prayers are powerful prayers. So what if, look at your neighbor, say what if. Look at your second neighbor, the one you chose second again. <laughs> Tell him what if. What if, what if the next time you prayed, you were actually real with God? Like this guy in Mark 9. What if next time you prayed, you didn't conjure up some like religious checklist of what you think prayer is supposed to look like, but instead you went to God, like, God, I've got faith, but I've also got doubt. I've got some belief. Help me overcome my unbelief. Yes, God, I believe, but I'm also kind of confused. God, I'm kind of scared. God, I'm kind of nervous and I'm kind of worried. What about this? Anyone else ever been here? God, if I'm being honest with you, as if he doesn't already know. God, I'm kind of mad at you. Because the only grandmother that I ever knew went in the hospital for heart surgery and the doctor said the surgery went perfect. And her quality of life is going to be even better than it was before, only for her to die in the hospital two days later. Now, what I could do is sit there and let this circumstance dictate my faith, or what I could do is be like, well, you know what? My grandmother knew Jesus, so she really did get her healing, and I'll see her one day. So what do you do when, when When doubts creep into your heart. What if you started praying some genuine prayers? Because I think genuine prayers are powerful prayers. And that's what this guy in Mark 9 did. He prayed some genuine prayers. Last thing here when it comes to doubt. I feel like some of us think. I feel like some of us think like doubt gets you cut from God's team. I was just talking to uh, one of our youth students on Wednesday about this. And he's like, you know, I just have... I have certain doubts. and like, I don't know, like, should I stop coming to church? It's like, no. Should I stop praying? No. And it's like we conjure up this idea that, like, if you're not a believer and, like, you're brand new in, in this room to, to church and to faith, and you're like, dude, I've got questions. Me too. I've got doubts. Totally. So I can't come to God yet. No. Or maybe you're a Christian and you're like, I'm almost ashamed that I have this level of doubt whispering to me. And we think God cuts us from his team? If that was the case, God would have had to cut John the Baptist from the team. Look at this. Towards the end of John the Baptist's life, in Matthew 11, verse two and three, it says, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah you've been expecting? or should we keep looking for someone else? It's a moment of doubt for John the Baptist. Realize, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist was the guy, before he wrote this, who baptized Jesus, and when he did, the clouds literally parted, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, and God spoke from heaven like Darth Vader, saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. If that ever happens, don't you think like all of your doubt would just be gone? Yeah, me too. But John the Baptist doubted after all of that. You're in good company. And how does Jesus respond to John? Here's a second example of someone who doubts, and let's see how Jesus responds to him. Does he go, John, you and your doubt? Both of them are dumb. Is you know what? I thought maybe Jesus would be hurt. Yo, John, you're my cousin. You were the one who literally prepped the way for my ministry. Dude, you see miracles. I told you I was the Messiah. Why are you questioning? It was, was Jesus heartbroken? No, look how Jesus responds. Matthew 11, verse 4. Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the death hear, the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor. Jesus encourages John and he speaks into his faith. He doesn't build his doubts It reminds me of Psalm 94, verse 19. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me a renewed hope and cheer. If you had doubts, can I tell you, there's room. And God actually will respond to you, not in a way where he's like shaking his finger and he's mad at you and he can't believe you have any doubts. No, instead what he'll likely do is what Jesus did for John. He'll speak into your faith, he'll lift your faith and he'll make this process happen. Boop, 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 boop. And before you know it, the voices of doubt get quieter and quieter and quieter, and the voices of faith get louder and louder and louder. Amen? Amen. Moments of doubt, they're actually just opportunity for your faith to grow. Here's another thing maybe you never realized there was room for. There's room for doubt. There's also room for struggle. Isn't it funny how we always see struggle as just a, a negative thing? It's like... um. Has anybody ever been, like, caught in an actual riptide? Like, I surf, and and, and getting caught in an actual riptide is terrifying. But here's the thing about, like, if you were caught in a riptide in the ocean, and you're out there drowning, but you're struggling, right? You're struggling. Well, if you're struggling, that means you're still swimming and you're still alive. You only start sinking when you stop struggling. What if we started looking at struggle for what it actually is? If you're struggling, it means you're still in the fight, Look at your neighbor. Say, stay in the fight. fight. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. I know all the men in here watch UFC. (laughs) To fight is to struggle. Like, by definition, it takes no effort to wave the white flag. Okay, so I am here this morning to implore you to stay in the fight. To push through the struggle. Parents, for your kids, push through the struggle. Stay in the fight. Keep moving forward. Husbands, for your marriages and your family. Wives, for your marriage and your family. Keep in the fight. Don't give up, but I'm struggling. That means you're still in the fight, even with sin. You know, we come, I, I can't tell you how often as a youth pastor, students will come to me and go, I'm struggling with sin. I'm like, great, great. they're like, what? Well, if you're struggling with sin, that means you're fighting it. Because those who just embrace sin and live a lifestyle of sin, they're not struggling with sin. No, they've embraced it. It's a part of their lifestyle. It's who they are now. Versus, no, I'm going to struggle with you. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to stay in the fight. Stay in. In the fight, don't give up. I love the way that James says it. James says in in James 1, 2, 3, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, struggles of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Struggling, it's kind of how we grow. Back to the guy in Mark 9. Jesus asked, how long has your son been like this? And the guy says, since he was a little boy, A long time, and the problem, it occurs often. As I was prepping this message, I kind of kept finding myself as I'm reading that story, pausing at that part. A long time, and it occurs often. A long time, and it occurs often. For anybody in the room, maybe you're watching online today, and you've had something in your life, a struggle that's been going on for a long time, and it occurs often. Can I encourage you, do not confuse God's patience for His absence. God's timing is perfect, and He will come through. I said God's timing is perfect, and he will come through. He might not come through when we want him to, but his timing is perfect. He will come what I love. And what I love about this dad in Mark 9 is he stays in the struggle. He doesn't give up on his son. Like so many other parents out there who kind of just give in and give up, and they think to themselves, well, this is just how things are going to be. Things will never change. Not this dad. If he did, he wouldn't have taken his son to Jesus. He, wouldn't have, he, he would have let his doubt win, let his struggle sink in, and he, he would have stayed home that day. Because think about it. Think about how, how difficult it must have been to get his son to Jesus. His son was blind and deaf. But he would have been completely dependent on his father. Not only that, his son, uh, they would have, he would have had to take him through a huge crowd of onlookers. And remember, his son would have, have fits of rage and convulsions, and he would shriek and scream and throw himself around. But this dad in Mark 9, he didn't care. He said, I've got to get my son to Jesus. And he fought through the struggle, and what happened? His son got his breakthrough. So what if your willingness to stay in the fight is the key to someone else's breakthrough? Wow. Wow. Oh, well, what if it's the key to your breakthrough? Yeah, sure. But what if it's the key to somebody else's breakthrough? Dad. Dad. What if your willingness to stay in the fight, to not give up, I'm struggling. Keep struggling, man, and push forward because what if the key to your son's breakthrough is you staying in the fight? Mom, what if the key to your kid's breakthrough is you not giving up? Grandparents, who you feel like you've been praying for your family for decades and decades and decades. What if the key... To your family's breakthrough is you not giving up and you staying in the struggle and you staying in the fight. Why don't you look at your neighbor and tell him, keep fighting. Why don't you look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, and say, you definitely keep fighting. That's why I keep choosing you second. So how do I, so how do I stay in the fight? How do I stay, how do I push through the struggle? Why don't you struggle in prayer? Because some people struggle in life because they don't struggle in prayer. Man, I've had people. There are certain people, some of which are in this room, who've been praying for me for decades. Like I am at the, I am one of the people at the top of their list of prayers. I, I'll tell you, without some of these people's prayers, these saints, I don't know that I'd be here. Pray, man, would you pray for your kids, parents? Can I tell you? I've been a youth pastor for 14 years. I've been I've been working with kids since I was a kid. <laughs> like I've been a youth pastor and more than ever, right now, there are people, things, and agendas set against your kids, more than ever, and if you won't fight for them, then who will? Okay, me, Pastor Amber, Wyatt, our youth team, pastors, this church, we're here, and we're we're, going to fight for your kids. I can't tell you how many times I've told Satan, millions of times I've told Satan, you can't have these kids, not on my watch, but... Can I also tell you, any amount of impact we can have on your kids pales in comparison to the impact that you will have, Dad. It pales in comparison the impact that that you will have, Mom, grandparents, and even older brothers. Can I tell you, older brothers, all of your siblings look up to you. I was going to become a cop. Could you imagine? I don't know why you're laughing, first off. (laughs) why because my older brother wanted to be a police officer but then called me god called me into the ministry and god had other plans older brothers older sisters you're paving the way what if you staying in the fight is the key to your younger siblings getting their breakthrough don't give up keep pushing struggle in prayer because jesus said in mark 9 some things they only come through prayer this last thing here um Back in 2017, I got to be a part of um, our church going to Kenya, East Africa, and building a church over there. And a handful of people in this room got to go too. It was so awesome. And we built a church. I got to be the first one to preach in this church. Um, Packed out. It was so awesome. And like literally people like peeking through the windows. It was so cool. And I, I just tell you like, you guys have no clue how far of a reach your generosity has. Like legitimately a tiny village in Africa that you'll probably never get to go to, you helped build a church there and it was amazing. One of our first stops though, um, literally, I think day two after we landed, uh, some ministry friends of the people who brought us said, you've got a group of Christians, some American, an American pastor, Like, can you bring them and have them come pray with us? We have some needs we would love prayer for. So we go and I get to meet this pastor, he's such a sweet guy, shake his hand, ask him about his story and we just hang out. We had four or five hours blocked out to just hang out with them. And so hanging out with them, he begins to tell me a story and he says, yeah, when we first planted the church here, Um, there were some religious extremists in the area who who don't get down with Christians, they don't get down with Jesus. So they burned our church down. And I was like, oh my gosh, man, like that's that's crazy. But now we're standing in a church, like this is awesome. Like, so your you know, faith has become another building. He said, Oh no, this isn't the building. Because after they burnt down the first one, they burnt down the second one. And I was like, What did you do after that? He goes, We built another church. It's like, oh dude, that's crazy. So this is the third church. He says, no, they burnt it down again. I said, what did you do after that? He goes, Corey, we just built another church. I said, whoa. So we're in church number six? He says, no, they burnt down church number six. I said Then what did you do? He said, we opened up church number seven, but this time God gave me wisdom and we made it not only a church, we made it a local school. And all those religious extremists, they didn't have any schools to send their kids to. So they sent their kids to our school and they might burn down a church, but they ain't gonna burn down their kid's school. (laughs) Like, you're awesome, man. What's your point, Corey? I wanna say something that I probably don't have the like, sweat equity or the age or the permission to say, but when it comes to struggle, we can't be sissies. Faith, it's not a playground, it's a battleground. We gotta stay in the fight. The last thing that there's room for that maybe you never realize there's room for as the band heads up helps me sound more spiritual There's room for you. Look at your neighbor. Say, that means you. Just leave the second neighbor alone. You're not convinced about them. (laughs) There's room for you in the family of God. And maybe you are here brand new to faith. And what you thought was you actually have to be perfect and get everything together before you come to God. That's not what it says. Jesus said, come to me just as you are come to me just as, see, this this faith journey, it's not about perfection, it's about progression. So yes, there is room for you in the family of God, but there's also room for you to be used by God. I know this is a little bit of a weird topic to preach, but it's really how I felt it, so let me preach it how I feel it. Some of you think you're just too quirky to be used by God. Some of y'all think you're just too weird to be used by God. You are weird, (laughs) but you think you're too weird to be used by God. I really felt this. I feel like some of you, you think you're just too business-minded to be used by God. I'm just, I'm just a business person. I can't be used by God. Some of you think that you're too, like, you're, 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 you're too entrepre- entrepreneurial. I'm a preacher. This is what I do for a living. Some of you think you're just this and you're just that. But can I tell you, there's room for you. God wants to use you. Not me. Yes, you. Yeah, not me. No, yeah, you. You know the one that every time I say you, you're thinking somebody else? You. Well, I'm not convinced. Okay, let me convince you. Noah got drunk. Abraham was too old. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses was a murderer. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. David was an adulterer, Elijah was suicidal, Jonah ran from God, Naomi was a widow, Peter denied Jesus, Paul persecuted Christians, and oh yeah, Lazarus, he was dead. So there's room for you. What other excuse might we have? God wants to use you. Now trust me when I say I am legitimately the last person in this room who should be used by God. I know some of you are thinking, that was my very first thought when you got on stage. You look too young and you have tattoos. Okay, also, I grew up in the wrong family, on the wrong side of the tracks, low income. I was literally born addicted to drugs and nearly went into foster care, but my aunt took me. I never knew my dad. All my friends going into ministry, their dads were pastors. My dad was in prison. I'm telling you, if you looked at me and you said, huh, this guy's preaching this morning, I got some doubts. I looked at me this morning in the mirror and thought the same thing. (laughs) And maybe you think the same thing about yourself. Maybe you think the good old classic, I'm just a single mom. I'm just a single dad. I'm, I'm I'm just a realtor. I'm just a business owner. I'm just military. I'm just former military. I'm just a teacher. I'm just in politics. I'm just a musician. Corey, I'm, I'm, I'm just a grandparent. I'm just a college student. Corey, I'm just a kid. And I tell you this morning, God doesn't ask About your availability, your your inability or your ability. I told you I'm a preacher. He just asks about your availability. I can't. Are you available? I don't have the ability. God doesn't worry about your ability or your inability, just your availability. Are you available? As I close, maybe you've had some doubts. There's room. Maybe you've had struggle. There's room. And I guess the question isn't whether or not God's made room for you, but whether or not you'll make room for Him. So as I close out, I, I, I wanna pray just a few prayers. Number one, I wanna lead us in a prayer that's like legitimately what Mark chapter nine guide does. For anybody who has doubts, that will just come before God and say, God, I believe, would you help me with my unbelief? For anybody who's been in the struggle, that God would give you strength to keep fighting. And then for anybody who's not convinced God wants to use them, maybe it's because of your doubt, your show. that God would convince every single heart in here and those watching online that God really has made room for you to be used by God. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes as we pray? How we come before you and God, right now, we just do exactly what the guy in Mark 9 did. We come to you, Jesus. With all of our baggage, with all of our worries, with every bit of everything going on in life. And God, we know you have good plans for us. We know you're a healer. We know you're a miracle worker. We know you're a provider. We know these things, God. And we have so much faith. We believe. But God, some of us, if we're honest, we have this whispering voice of doubt in the back of our heads and in our hearts. So God, would you help us with that? Would you help us overcome it so we could stand on our faith and believe for you to come through? God, that you would come through in the struggle. I pray for anybody in the room who's walking through struggle right now. God, some like this guy, it's been a long time and it occurs often. God, would you bring strength to keep fighting, that they wouldn't give up, that they'd cover their their families, their kids, their marriages, their situation, their circumstance, their struggle, that they would cover it in prayer. And God, in the midst of all of our doubts, in the midst of all of our struggles, in the midst of all of our shortcomings, God, thank you that you've made room for us in your family, but God, convince us that you also wanna use every single one of us and our lives. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you've walked away, maybe you've been distant from God and and just something's happening in your heart you'd wanna come back home this morning. This would be your moment, this would be your time. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. I'm gonna give you this prayer, just like make it yours. Wrap your heart around these words and scripture's clear that you will be saved. Wrap your heart around this prayer. God, thank you so much that you've made room for us in your family. I thank you that We literally can bring all of our doubt and all of our struggle and all of our baggage to you and you don't turn us away. Jesus, this morning we just declare and we believe that you died for our sins and you rose from the dead. So today we give you our hearts and we give you our lives. We give you everything. And from this moment forward, we're gonna follow after you. Thank you for receiving us. Thank you for forgiving us. From this day forward, you'll be our father will be your children, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if at all possible, no one move for the next few minutes. We got a couple, just a couple things before we go. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, it is the best prayer you could ever pray in your life. It's not the end of the journey, it's just... The beginning, And we got a free gift we wanna give to you. It's called the next seven days. You could get it in in a few ways. Number one, there's gonna be prayer teams down at the front here right after service. They have it. Just go to them and say, hey, I prayed the prayer. Can I get the booklet? They'll get you the booklet. If you need prayer for anything, maybe you've got doubt. Maybe you've got struggle. Maybe you've got something on your heart that you're saying, I know God wants to use me. They'd love to pray for you. If you've got to go quick, there's a uh, there's a table right before you get outside with the next seven days graphic on it. You can go to them, say, I prayed the prayer. Can I get the booklet? They'll get it to you. Hey, if you're a teenager and you prayed that prayer for the first time and you want the youth version, the videos of the next seven days, go to our Instagram, at bridge, Y-T-H underscore. Don't forget the underscore. And just DM us the words next seven. We'll handle the rest and we'll get you the next seven days. Hey, can you guys join me in welcoming people into God's family?
1: Hey, you know, uh, we're almost finished. We're we're almost finished. And I know uh, sometimes, and I told first service this, from pastor's heart, sometimes we don't get to do all we want to do on Sunday morning because people are in a hurry. And I know some people need to go to work. They need this, need this. I I want us to just pause for a moment here. Corey, you shared a message, and he did an outstanding job. We'll get to that in a minute. At the end of this story, this man sees an amazing deliverance, an amazing miracle in his life because he had a change in his faith. There's some people in this place today, you're facing some stuff. You really need God to intervene. And you're at a place of faith right now and you're realizing, God, I believe you can. I need you to get involved. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? Just You don't have to raise it real high. Just slip it up all over the room. God, we need a miracle. Okay. Why your hands are raised, Corey, one more short, just a short prayer. Just pray that God would work a miracle in these people's lives. At this point of faith right now, let's agree together. Yeah. God, thank you that anything is possible to those who
0: believe. God, if we have any unbelief, help us with it. And right now, supernaturally, God, would you just bring a building of faith in every heart who has a need. God, I pray that you would prove yourself faithful as our provider, as our protector, as our healer, as our strong tower, as our ever-present help in time of need. God, thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us. God, I pray would you come through with the miracle, God. We thank you that we never, ever have to walk alone in life. You said that you would never leave us, you would never forsake us. God, you have never failed, and you're not going to start with the those who just lifted their hands. Would you bring a miracle? Do what only you can do. We believe and we
1: have faith for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, give Pastor Corey a hand for that great message today. Moms and dads, you know your kids are in good hands when you hear one of your pastors preach a message like that. Hey, last thing today, very last thing, we just want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving we're a multi-generational church we're reaching a lot of people at home and around the world we've been sharing recent weeks what we're doing overseas look around the room today you can see what's happening right here inside the bridge church with all ages thank you for your faithfulness in giving there are a number of ways you can give If you want to give a physical gift today, there are envelopes in the back of the chairs. You can fill that out. There are giving stations on each side of the exit doors right here in the auditorium. There's also a giving station in the children's check-in area. I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving. And you know, this, this is a great message today because when I first met Corey, I had my doubts. A year and a half later when God says, bring him on staff, I had doubts. But I think God's pretty smart about some things, aren't you? He kind of knows what he's doing. Put your faith in Jesus. Hey, I love you. I appreciate you guys. Have a great, great Sunday, and we'll see you next week.